Good morning. Today I want to speak about who or what is our stronghold. The crisis reveal our stronghold. The storm we encounter in our lives will reveal under whose shade or shelter we take refuge in. In the natural, a stronghold was a fortress or a cave or a bunker or a shelter in a time of crisis or war. It is the place that one would spontaneously or instinctively run to when in need of refuge, shelter, or comfort in a time of crisis. In the spiritual, interestingly, a stronghold is not only what you hold on to strongly, but also that which has a stronghold on you. So many times, it is a firmly set pattern of thinking that results in a set pattern of words, behavior, and habits. We see that in 2 Corinthians 10, 1 to 6. So thinking, behavior, habits are very important as they determine the decisions we make and thus the direction and destiny of our lives. So we need to honestly evaluate our strongholds by asking some questions such as, where do I run when I am hit by a crisis? Who do you run to? Where do you go? When the rope is cut, does the boat of your life aimlessly drift away? Or worse still, do you sink into what you are going through? Or do you hoist up the sails of your life to be led by the winds of the Holy Spirit? In a storm, are you and me firmly anchored in Jesus and his word? Or do we lose control and get ourselves marooned in an island of depression and despair? So things like sins like fantasizing, lust, pornography, alcohol, excessive sleeping, excessive alcohol, shopping, video gaming, all these things would just let me distract myself. Let me just get my mind off it. Let me just hide into something the list of carnal options can be endless. But my brothers and sisters, if we sow in the flesh, we will reap corruption, the Bible says. But if we sow in the spirit, we will reap life. So I want us to look at today the life of David and sort of just glean through it. We don't obviously have time for an in-depth study. But if we look at the life of David, you know, some very imp important things come out about the understanding of stronghold because this man used the word stronghold more than any other individual in the Bible. Interesting, right? So let us understand how David made the Lord his stronghold based on the things that he went through in his life. Now, here are some facts about David. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 18, we see some interesting things mentioned about him. We obviously know that he was called and he was anointed by God under the hand of the prophet Samuel. And the Bible gives an interesting description in 1 Samuel 16, 18. It says that he was a skilled musician, was a fantastic songwriter, was a courageous warrior, 
was very good looking and he was anointed by the Lord. And when God called David, he called him for a few very important things. He called him firstly to establish the kingdom of Israel. He called him to secure its borders. And then that through David and his lineage, in, through his family, eventually the Messiah would come, who would be the savior of the world, our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now, that's a, that is a high calling. You know, Jesus would eventually be called son of David. The higher the call, greater the preparation, greater the learning and the tests that come. So during his early days, there was a significant period of time when David was forced by circumstances to be a guerrilla warrior. For days and months, he had to flee from the senseless attacks of the king who was above him, King Saul. And King Saul's attacks on David were purely motivated by jealousy. And in the time that he had to flee from King Saul, David and his men had to often take refuge in the caves of mountains that they call strongholds. Now spread across the wilderness in Israel. And we see those references in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 14. So there were places like the wilderness of Ziph, En Gedi, and Horesh. And in these wildernesses where it was difficult for King Saul and his men to gain access or to try and locate David and his men, you know, David took shelter in those caves, in those what he called as strongholds. But it's interesting that in, in those places and in those very difficult moments, you know, David found this ultimate refuge, in place of hiding and shelter and stronghold, as he said, in God. You know, we can, we can look at circumstances naturally and come to imperfect and incorrect conclusions in life, or we can invite uh, the Lord to come into our hearts and our lives in those circumstances and use those places to be actually places where we encounter God in new ways and powerful ways, you know, where we can experience his love, his presence, his word in tangible ways. So for David, you know, being in that cave, you know, rather than turning it into a cave of despair, of hopelessness, of discouragement, of depression, you know, he turned that place into a place of encountering God. And he said, God, you are my stronghold, not this cave, not this wilderness, not this mountain uh, hole out here, but you are my stronghold. You are my refuge. You are my hiding place. And we see that often in the Psalms that he wrote, much of them written during those days and months when he was fleeing from Saul. And we actually see that in more than a few psalms, you will actually see that below the number of the psalm or the name of the psalm is the description of where he wrote that psalm, when he wrote that psalm, and when he, many times he was fleeing from Saul. And so he, he actually took that natural circumstance and he viewed it in, in, in context of his relationship with God. Beloved, that's, that's so important. So what, I just want to pause you to just share some thoughts before we continue with David. You see, every day in our lives, God wills that there is a learning. So it's pretty simple. Just like how we have our school life, you know, our education life, this period of learning, then comes the test. And if we pass the test, then we get promoted in two things, intimacy and authority. Keep that in mind. So there's learning in the everyday of life. 
you know, spend time with God in prayer. We spend time in worship. We spend time with God's word. You know, just in the dailiness of life, it's so important. You know, one of the things that I ensure is that I teach Anaya a little bit every day. I don't try to teach her a lot on few days. Good parents understand that. Good teachers understand that. You can't, you can't have shortcuts. You can't teach a child. You can't educate a child in events. It is done every day, little bit every day. So I ensure that there is a continuity, a consistency, and I do it in little portions. That's the way in our relationship with God. You know, God knows that a sheep, our mouths are small. We can take in that much. We can chew that much. We can digest and absorb that much. That amount of truth every day. Give us this day, our daily bread. And so every day in our life is learning that God wants to teach us by his spirit, by his word, with whatever circumstances we go through. And then after a period of time comes a test. And if we pass that test, we basically put into an application what we've been learning those days. And when we pass that test, we are gifted by the grace of God, intimacy and nearness to God in vertically and an authority to see his kingdom come in greater measure, power and glory. And, and, and that is so important because what, what testing does is it gives evidence, it, it kind of affirms our faithfulness to God. There can be no intimacy and in authority if there is no faithfulness. And so God is wanting us to cultivate faithfulness every day of our lives. As he, as he teaches us to be faithful, we pass the test well, we grow in intimacy and in authority. And all of this is possible only by the grace of God in the presence, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that. So when you train well every day in the school of the Holy Spirit, you will win good victories. You will win uh, good breakthroughs by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I've said this before, if you sweat in training, if you sweat in training, you won't bleed and die in war. You need to sweat well every day. There is, there is hard work required, the discipline, you know, disciplines, I would say, that, that we learn every day. The Lord teaching us, you know, as we sit in his presence and we apply that on a daily basis, you know, that we grow in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We grow in godly character. It's not easy. It's not easy. But by the grace of God, it's possible. And what happens is when we submit to the Lord in the school of the Holy Spirit every day, we pass our tests well. And those learnings and those tests actually are to prepare us for the big one that's coming. Let me say this. The, our entire life on earth is a preparation for eternity. I say that again. Our entire life on earth is a preparation for eternity. But God also has a plan and a call for our lives here on earth. And he wants, to, he wants us to fulfill that before we come to him. We, he wants us to be able to say, I finished the race. I fulfilled God's purpose for my life. That's, that is a testimony about David said by Stephen in the, in the book of Acts, recorded the book of Acts. It says, you know, when Stephen was testifying before the Pharisees and the chief priests, he actually said this, and David fulfilled the purpose of God in his generation and slept with the fathers. I want, I want us to be able, somebody else, to be able to say that about you and me, that we fulfill the purpose of God for our lives, and then we have gone to be with the Lord. So yes, life on earth is a preparation for eternity, but life on earth is also a preparation for us to fulfill God's call and plan for our lives here on this earth. So, you know, there are these, these learnings and these tests 
that prepare us for the big one. And you know, there was a big one coming in the life of David. You know, all that running and escaping and hiding from Saul, all the rejection he went through, probably his early days, beginning with his family, then with Saul, you know, were all learnings, testings, learning, testings. There were good times of green pastures and still waters, but then there was the lion and the bear, you know, the lion and the bear prepared him for Goliath. You know, you see the whole learning and the training and the testing and the passing. And you see, there was the big one coming. And what was the big one coming? Ziklag. The big one was Ziklag. So I'm, I'm going to take us over there. But we need to keep this in mind that there are some battles and some tests that are big. You know, bigger the battle, bigger the test, greater the victory, greater the glory unto God. And, it, you know, there's a tremendous shift in our lives, uh, you know, that places us, that catapults us into God's plan, plan and purpose for our life. So stay with me on this. As days proceeded, you know, we, we know that the Lord ultimately delivered David from the hand of Saul and his enemies. And it was not just one enemy. See, there were people, sometimes entire clans of people who would collaborate with Saul to try and, you know, find out where David was hiding. So David just didn't have one Saul coming after him or he had 3,000 of Saul's best uh, you know, best of his army come after him. Then he had entire people who would, would try to tell where, where David was, you know, hiding, you know. And David is going through all of this, but the Lord delivered him from all of that simply because David made God his stronghold. David made God his hiding place. Not man, not, not something else, but he made God his hiding place. Now, <clears throat> We see that as time went by, David and his army of 600 men, you know, by, by the sovereign will of God, just the way circumstances went, they went and joined with the Philistines who were earlier there. They're actually their enemies. And at that time, by the hand of the Lord, David began to prosper, you know. So Saul was still king. And Jonathan was his uh, so-called successor at that time uh, as a son. But, the, but David began to prosper here, you know, and God's hand was on his life. And one of his first achievements was the city of Ziklag. So the Philistine king gave Ziklag a city to David as a gift. And we see that in 1 Samuel chapter 27. So the Philistine king gives David this, this city. And so David finally, after years of running, years of, you know, being in the wilderness, finally he and his men and their families and his family, their children, all settled down in the city of Ziklag. What do you think it would have been like? Beautiful. They would have really done it up well. Beautiful houses, you know, you know, maybe planted their orchards, their gardens. They feel so secure here. They feel so rested here. Yeah, the kids are growing up. They're enjoying life. And David's like, wow, finally, I got a city. Finally, I've got my own home. Me and my family and my, and my brothers, our families can settle down. But just as when it seemed that things were going well, one day, David and his men had to go out for a military expedition. You know, they were going to help the Philistine king. And while they were away, you know, the Amalekites come and they destroy the city. They burn the city. They take captive David's family and the families and the wives and the kids of all these men of David. And they actually burned Ziklag up. And when David and his, his soldiers are coming back, imagine from afar, they're coming back on their horses. And from far, they see the horror of their entire city go up in flames, you know. And as they rush in, they see that no one's there. And, 
and they probably traumatized. They're traumatized, trying to understand what would have happened. Who's attacked the city? Where are our wives? Where are our children? You know, where are our servants? Where are our parents? You know, and it was so traumatizing. And the Bible says, and this is recorded in First Samuel chapter thirty. First Samuel chapter thirty. Things were so bad that that it it says that the men, David's own men, began to speak about stoning him. Imagine what pain David went through. Imagine what he was feeling. That is, he can hear his own men discussing in bitterness, in anger. You're responsible for this. You took us for this military expedition, and they're talking about stoning them. And as as he's doing this, as he's going through this, what do you think David does? Who does he gravitate towards? See, that's that's the interesting thing, right? Crisis reveals our stronghold. Crisis reveals who we take shelter to. Who will we run to? What is my instinct now? Who am I going to turn to? We see over here, David turns to the Lord. We see that key verse in 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. But David, but David, you see, crisis reveals your stronghold. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Beloved, that doesn't happen. You never build a stronghold in crisis. Crisis only reveals your stronghold. You build your stronghold when it's fair weather. When the daily learnings and leanings of life every day you, you intentionally build the habit. You build your disciplines. You, you teach yourself. You cultivate faithfulness. You strengthen your spiritual disciplines. Whether it's a prayer, praying in tongues, worshiping the Lord, you know, keeping control of your thought life, keeping your emotions under control, developing self-control, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you know, calling on the name of the Lord. These things don't happen when the storm hits. These things cannot happen. Storms only reveal what can stand and what cannot. Crisis reveals, you know, how much is our strength in the day of adversity. And it says over here, David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. You know, over the years, and we see that clearly in, in 1 Samuel, over the years, David had developed a healthy discipline of seeking the Lord in prayer seeking the Lord, turning to him in worship, in good times, and even in difficult times. That's why we have the book of Psalms. Why has been the Psalms been a place of comfort and hope, you know, and, and godly lamentation for generations after generations since the time David wrote it? Because it came out from that place where he was inviting God, worshiping God, reaching out to God, whether things were going well or things were not going well. You know, God, I'm going to turn to you. If I want to vent out, I'm going to vent out before you, God. If I'm going to cry out, I'm going to cry to you. If I'm happy, I'm going to exalt you. You know, this was, this was David. And, and, and here was the key thing. Here's the key thing. Prayer is the door into the stronghold of God's presence. Prayer and worship. Worship and prayer is the, is the door into the stronghold of God's presence. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High 
shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my strength, my God in whom I will trust. Psalm 91. Beloved, that cannot happen when the storm hits if you and I have not been learning to do it every day of our life. Amen. Crisis reveals our stronghold. So a stronghold is built by discipline and by habit. It is something we ought to be intentional about. So here's, here's the grace of God. If right now you're going through a crisis and you're saying, Shannon, you know what? It's revealing my stronghold. And my stronghold is not God. It's watching movies. I'm just trying to distract myself watching movie after music, movies. I'm on Netflix. I'm just watching three, four movies a day. Unhealthy. Dangerous. You know, I, or Shannon, I've just been, you know, doing online shopping. I'm emptying my ent entire bank account. Unhealthy. You know? Unintentional, worse still, you know, you're getting into alcohol. You're saying, I just want to, I just want to distract myself or I'm overspending time with friends. My dear brothers and sisters, if you're saying, Shannon, it's revealing my stronghold. I'm weak in God, but I'm strengthening un unhealthy habits. You know, turn to God right now. His grace is abundantly available for you. You know, acknowledge, and I'll, I'll come to the specific of how do we do it. Simple, not rocket science, simple, what to do. But here's the point that, the reason those things have become strong is because even when it was fair weather, when things were novel, you were investing in that. You were investing in those unhealthy habits and that's precisely why they become strengthened. Nothing gets strengthened unless you feed it. You have fed it. That's why it's become strong. You have not fed your spirit and soul with God's word and worship and prayer. And that's the reason why your spirit is weak. But if you reverse it, you stop feeding that, but you feed your soul with God's word, with worship, with praying in tongues, you know, with listening to godly messages, your spirit will become stronger and stronger and stronger, and you will be able to stand in the day of adversity and win your battles. Now, you know, when, when David did that, you know, when he, 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 he strengthened himself in the Lord, that's what verse six says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. And then he calls his friend, who was the priest, Abiatar, and says, get me the ephod. Get me the ephod. And it says, and David inquired of the Lord. That's what we need to do in, 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 in the time of our crisis. And what David didn't know, that this was not just one of the battles and one of the tests in his life. This was going to shift things for an entire life and, and, and into eternity. For his entire life and into eternity. Because when, when, he, when he inquired of the Lord, the Lord told him, I'm going to give you back everything you've lost. Everything that you and your men have lost, I'm going to give it back to you. Go with your men and attack the Amalekites. You will gain back everything you've lost. Everything. Not one thing will be remaining with them. And not just that, David got far more. And we see the details of that from the next verse. We won't go there, but from verse uh, Nine onwards, we see how David set out with the 600 men. They went and pursued the Amalekites. They won a great victory. They had a great spoil. They got back so many things that not only were they able to have enough for themselves, but interestingly, they were able to go and distribute it among the elders and their friends in Judah. Now, why was that significant? Because two chapters later, we see in the next chapter that Saul and Jonathan die in a battle. Saul and Jonathan die in a battle. And actually, God protected David and his men from being part of that very own battle. David and, and, and his men otherwise would have been held guilty or co-guilty 
in, in the death of Saul and Jonathan. So they were pulled out of their battle because the other Philistine commander said, we don't want David and his men here with us. When we are fighting the Israelites, when we are fighting King Saul and Jonathan. And so David and his men were sent back. They, you know everything that happened in Ziklag and how they won everything back. They fought with the Amalekites. They won it back. While they were away, winning their things back from the Amalekites, here is a war between Saul, Jonathan, the armies of Israel, which Philistines, Saul and Jonathan lose. They die in that battle. David mourns and weeps. And the same elders of Judah now come back after the death of Saul and Jonathan, come to David and say, David, become king over us. You're the one who led us in battle in the past, even when King Saul was there. You're the one who defeated Goliath. You're the one who won the victories for us. You've been faithful. We have seen your life. You're a godly man. You're a, you're a man who seeks to always <clears throat> glorify God and seeks the well-being of the people. We want you to be king over us. This was not just one of the tests of the learnings. This was a test that shifted things for David. Now for his entire life, the course of his life, he was now set to be king over Judah. Seven years later, he would be king over entire Israel. The rest of the tribes would accept him. And David would become the king of the nation of Israel. Step into the purpose of God for which God had chosen, called him and anointed him. He would then secure the borders of Israel. And his family would be set on that throne through whom the Messiah eventually would come. My beloved brothers and sisters, your crisis is not intended by the Lord to harm you, but to shape you and prepare you for his purposes. In every crisis we face, we always have a choice before us, flesh or spirit. There's nothing in between. It's either we sow in the flesh, we give in to fleshly desires and the things that are not of God, or we say no. No to that. We have the inner strength given by the Holy Spirit, given by days and years and months of feeding, feeding our spirit with the word of God in prayer, in worship, praying in tongues, fastings and saying, no, I choose the things of the spirit. I will obey God. I will obey his word. I will sow in the spirit. I will reap life. I will pass my test. I will grow in intimacy and in authority. I will cultivate faithfulness. And at the right time, God will shift things for me and put me in the place where I can fulfill his purpose for my life and bring him glory. Beloved, I want to ask you today, as I come towards the close of this message, what will you choose? What will you choose? Is this crisis that is happening in the city and the world around us revealing your struggle? Has the crisis in the world become a personal crisis for you? Has it affected your family? Has it affected your marriage? Has it affected your finances, your business, your career? If it's not affected and if you're going through fair weather, it's not for you to sit back and be laid back about things. If you're in fair weather, praise God for you. It's time for you to learn well so that when the test comes, which is coming, you will pass well. But if you're going through a crisis and the crisis is revealing your stronghold, it's time for you to identify, is this a godly or an ungodly stronghold? If it's an ungodly stronghold, this is what I have to share with you. First and foremost, we need to stop making excuses for the ungodly strongholds, thoughts, words, deeds, you know, things of the flesh. You know, we need, we need to acknowledge it. Confess if we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Beloved, we need to not make excuses. You know, it's, it's the first step, but not the enough step. It's the first step in the right direction to acknowledge, to say, Lord, 
I am wrong. Lord, this is what my sin is. This is what my pattern of thinking is. This is what my pattern of behavior is. And it's not right, Lord. I don't want to call white black and black white. If I've sinned against you, I've sinned against you. Acknowledge my sin to you in humility, in honesty, in brokenness. The second thing I need to do is turn to the Lord in prayer and seek him in his word and ask for his grace. And ask him to help you to have a deep, deep hunger and thirsting for him. You know, number three, be in the company of godly people who will encourage you and help you to grow in the Lord. You know, in very specific ways, probably even correct you. Encourage you. Correction is so important. And, and you know, lovingly to build you up and say, you know, work on this thing and work on that thing and we'll help you. And, and be accountable to somebody. And then begin to ask the Lord to help you develop godly habits. You know, godly habits. So, you know, <clears throat> spiritual disciplines of prayer, fasting, worship, the word, the study of God's word, meditating on God's word, reading godly books. And, um, you know, there could be even physical things like maintaining a diet and exercising and, you know, things that cover every dimension of our being, our spirit, our soul, our mind, our body. We need every part of our being in order to serve God, in order to fulfill his purpose for our life. So what I said was this, confess the ungodly things in the life that are becoming a pattern, reject it. Number two, ask God to help you in prayer, turn to him in prayer and the word. And number three, start developing godly disciplines. God will help you. It's not going to happen overnight. Some of these things take years. Some of these things take years. And we see that pattern in the Bible. That things didn't happen overnight for Joseph. Things didn't happen overnight for David. Things didn't happen, happen overnight for Moses. Things didn't happen overnight for our Lord Jesus when he was on the earth. You know, why are we trying to pursue shortcuts? There are no shortcuts. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And as we day-to-day -day learn to cultivate faithfulness, to grow in intimacy, we will grow in authority. and God will fulfill his purpose for our life. And fourthly, you know, being the company of godly people, it's absolutely necessary. It's important, beloved. Crisis reveals your stronghold. And if your stronghold has been the Lord, praise God, make it more stronger. You would build your house on the rock. You'll fulfill God's purpose for your life. But if this crisis reveals ungodly strongholds, don't feel hopeless. Don't condemn yourself. It's a waste of time. Turn to God. Ask him to help you. And ask him to start helping you build godly strongholds. If you need more help, get in touch with the pastors. Get in touch with your life group leaders. God is with you. We are with you. And may God fulfill his purpose for our life and for our families. The Lord bless you. Have a blessed weekend. Have a blessed week. Because the Lord is your and my stronghold.